Welcome in to Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Will Dundon here with Nick Trucial and Seth Coggin, ready to recap a big weekend of college football. We're going to kick it off with a couple, couple field stormings that went on this past weekend that we're kind of all scratching our heads about. Let's kick it off first. We'll talk about the non-upset, if you pay attention to the lines, and baton rouge with lsu and ole miss so real quick i'll just say this i did i was watching that game and right off the bat it looked like ole miss was going to go in there take care of business we've kind of talked about how at least us three here don't believe it's going to work for brian kelly at lsu like a lot of people think it is but i will say this LSU kind of clawed their way back in it and then just absolutely dominated the second half, just played their brand of football and imposed their will on Ole Miss. And now LSU's looking pretty good, just not long after taking a beating from Tennessee. They're kind of right back in there around 5-2, and 6-2, and two, whatever it is. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, y'all, y'all can kind of say whatever you want about it. And then, obviously, we did see the field storming at the end that was odd. But, yeah, I'll let y'all take it away. I mean, I think – the the biggest thing that stood out to me is their use of uh, Jaden Daniels on the ground. Uh, he had 120 yards and three touchdowns to add rushing. Um, so obviously we've seen him in the past use his legs to make some plays, but not to – I mean, it seems like he's finally getting things going with uh, Florida and Ole Miss having back-to-back three touchdown games on the ground – uh, they hadn't really seen too much of that before. He had made some plays, but nothing too crazy. Uh, so I think maybe Brian Kelly might have figured something out here with trying to use uh, Jaden Daniels a lot more on the ground. Could kind of spark their offense to to really get rolling here. Um, they only have two losses to Florida State at the beginning of the year, which is kind of um, a wash. And then obviously Tennessee, which, I mean, that loss is going to look – completely fine at the end of the year. So I think LSU, um, all things said and done, they're, they're going to have a decent finish to this year. Um, still don't know if Brian Kelly is going to work out. Like we've talked about, he's not really – he just doesn't fit Baton Rouge to me. He doesn't really seem like an LSU head coach that is going to be successful there long term. Played at Notre Dame, which I always think is a fraud pretty much every year, no matter what their record is. It, it they, they never play anybody that tough. Um but yeah, so it was a, a big win. And like we were talking about storming the field, uh, it's weird to storm the field when you're a favorite and there's like, no, we'll, we'll talk about the other storming the field. And Will, you were talking about it right before we got on. There was kind of a reason behind it. There's at least some kind of excuse to, to be storming the field. But this one, I mean, you win at home against a team you most of the time beat um, and were favored. So uh lsu i guess you and just it, have to eat that two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine uh, yeah it wasn't sucks. even wasn't even a last second play or anything yeah they just like, wasn't raced them yeah they did and they were down i think they were down 17 to 3 yep um so down 17 to 3 and then outscored Ole miss like 42 to 3 the rest of the game or whatever 41 to 3 that is i mean i wasn't the highest on Ole miss i definitely thought they weren't the whatever seventh best team in the country uh but that was 
pretty unprecedented for me to see. I like was not expecting that uh, at all out of LSU, mainly because I didn't think they were as explosive kind of as they showed they were capable of to just because that's two straight weeks. They've put up big numbers against SC teams. I mean, they went on the road and put up a big number at Florida. Impressive win on the road. Um, and then at home against Ole Miss, you know, none of their wins singularly are like, you know, that crazy impressive, but you look at the strength of what they've done and they do look to be much better than, you know, a lot of people kind of, you know, laughed at Brian Kelly all off season. And then they love, they lose their first game barely like in a neutral site kind of random game. Um, and a lot of people just kind of wrote them off like in already and honestly, myself included kind of just like, Oh, well, you know, they ain't got nothing. Uh, Brian Kelly's just a terrible fit. It's not going to work out at all. But uh, he's shown to be a little better of a coach than um, we may have written him off for. But they still, I mean, have a long way to go. I think you're right, Trish, with the – I don't see – no matter – I could see him – I honestly could see Brian Kelly winning a national championship at LSU and not having long-term success there. Like, I could see him winning a championship in, like, year two, year three – and like gone by year four just because like he isn't on yeah he's just he's just not a long-term fit at lsu um i think he's a good coach and i think i just don't think he could sustain a program at lsu being such a misfit uh, a lot of people have shown that they can win at lsu like it's not the hardest job to win at ed Ordron won a national championship at lsu like it's not the you don't i don't know it it you got a lot of room for error when you're LSU just because of the absolute talent you have access to um, and just the resources and everything. So uh, I think they're looking pretty good. I think it is a mark, a testament to Ole Miss not being quite the level that um, they were ranked at. Now, you know, unjaded eyes like our own have already said that, have already seen that. It's nice to see it proven out on the field. Um, They got a big old tough stretch coming ahead. They're at AM, then Bama, then at Arkansas, and then Mississippi State to close. Like, yeah, they, they had a nice run to start the season, but there's where boys become men there in the last five games of the SEC West schedule, um, where you're going to have to really man up and show uh, what you got in the tank. And so we'll see what they got. Uh, they are still a pretty good team, but they did get boat raced by LSU, um, you know, in the swamp, you, if you take a 17-3 lead over LSU, being the team that you are, you know, almost a really good running team, all this kind of stuff, like, you got a, I don't know, pretty embarrassing effort, honestly, showing to, like, get blown out like that, just dominated. I mean, after that first quarter or so, like, they were truly dominated in that game. And I don't think a lot of people saw I, I would have seen maybe LSU winning. I picked LSU to win, but I even did not see that happening. Um, and I'm not very high on Ole Miss, so um, LSU's definitely impressed a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, that's kind of what they should do. So and they'll have a big one here coming up with Bama at home, and that'll be really fun. I think they could give Bama a good shot. LSU, as we've seen over the last 20 or, you know, 15 years, has been consistently the one team that can kind of line up player for player with Bama um, more than anyone. You know, Georgia has come around recently, but – LSU has been kind of that team that said, no, we have the players to match you. Um, now they've gone through several coaches and they haven't had quite the saving to be like, you know, the pillar. Um, but they've put together some teams that can match athletically uh, across the board with Bama. So 
a lot of fun, a lot of fun football left to be played. Here's where things are really going to shake out. I just, uh, I'm excited. A lot of moving pieces still left uh, in these next five weeks. That's where, that's what we do it for boys. That's what we do it for. Yeah, no. And I'm going back to the Ole Miss LSU game. It was interesting seeing Ole Miss really just get beaten down, especially in that second half, because leading up to this week, I was getting this, and I'm not super in touch with kind of the Ole Miss crowd, the fandom as much, but from the little bit I saw, you could tell, especially with Tennessee really coming on the rise as a top dog in the SEC now, kind of along with Bama and Georgia, you kind of saw Ole Miss being like, hey, we belong in this conversation a little bit, or at least trying to build some steam and build some momentum to be like, hey, we're just as good as these guys you're talking about. And, man, did they prove that that was not true this past weekend because it was just the way they lost, too. You know, it would have been one thing if it was a total shootout or something. But for me, someone asked me, they were like, what happened in that LSU-Ole Miss game? And I was like, I mean, LSU just kind of – did what they wanted. Like they just ran their offense the second half and it was working. Like Ole Miss had no answer for it. So, and Seth, I think you were the one mentioning it last week. Like Ole Miss was going to go down. Like it was not going to finish. They were basically, they're not a top 10 team. I think that's what we kind of reiterated last week. And I definitely agree with that. So I'm interested to see how they do the rest of the year. I think Ole Miss is Ole Miss. And this is kind of the story of the Lane Kiffin era at Ole Miss. And I think it might continue to be that uh, as long as he's there they're going to be an exciting team that maybe steals a big game every now and then and they're going to score points but they're just never really going to get over that hump of ceiling 10 win team type thing you know um like yeah they they might play for a big bowl or something but i just don't see them winning they're never winning the west let's put it that i like to reiterate that yeah yeah they're never winning the west they may at some point squeak out of West, but they have not up until this point as currently constructed ever won the West. Never. Not once. Last year was their first 10 win season in over 50 years. So Ole Miss gets a lot of hype, gets a lot of pub, but let's remember kind of what Ole Miss, Ole Miss, they're kind of are a ceiling 10 win team and that's the absolute ceiling. Um, Now they may hit it again this year. They may go 10 and two again. And that is a huge testament to Lane Kiffin. To, to take Ole Miss to 10 and two back-to-back years, but they're still just not quite that true elite, elite um, team. Um, and yeah, it got proved this week. And I think you'll see it, you know, a few more times before this year's over. I say that, like, I think I kind of said, I, I bet they finished about nine and three, which is a good year. Uh, but yeah, you're not number seven, you know, you're not the seventh best team in the country. So um, not that, you know, that's how it works. You win all your games to start the year and you move up the polls. Like <laughs> that's how it, that's how it works. Um, but you know, opponents do matter big time. Um, so we'll see, we'll see where they go from here, but uh, they got a tough finish and I think it will be tough. Like once you kind of start losing, it's easier to lose a few. I don't know mm-hmm. some psychologically. And we talked about it. We've talked, we've talked about it kind of a lot, but once you kind of lose that first one, you lose that juice a little bit. Like, you know, you start to, you come back to earth a little bit and you're like, Oh, okay. We just got like, and that's, you know, we'll see. That's when coaches are tested and that's when players are tested when it's like, Oh, we just got our butts beat. Like we just got beat down. Um, man to man. We just got dominated. <laughs> uh, like, all right. And now we got to respond by three straight, 
SEC West opponents, two on the road, like one's Bama at home. Oof. All right. Like buckle your chin straps. Like, let's see what we got. Um, and we'll see. I think, I mean, I still probably give them an edge over AM because AM's offense is just still shown to be just very little. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but I mean, I definitely could see AM beating them at home. Um, AM's so Jekyll and Hyde too, like, you know, put honestly play great against Bama and then go out and get beat to South Carolina, which I mean, just up and down, up and down. I mean, if they see if they hadn't if they had lost that game to Arkansas. They're sitting at two and five, dude. They're sitting at two and five. Jimbo, and that, Jimbo. That man, it's really a long-term play by the Hogs to keep Jimbo around for at least one more year. You know, just one more year. I mean, string out the buyouts might be keeping him around too. Ninety million dollars. I think part of me thinks Texas A&M wants to pay that buyout. It's like the even like, it's like the it's even just the biggest flex, even on top of the biggest flex. It's like, no, we're gonna pay that buyout and then we're gonna hire another guy and give him a 10 year t- hundred like yeah. <laughs> just no. do it again. We are that kind of money. Like, let's go. Yeah, money is literally a number. Like that is it. That's all it is. It means nothing to us. Yeah, um, write the check. Cut the I do want to ask y'all real quick, what are y'all th- y'all's thoughts on Jackson Dart? Uh I think um, he's a poor man's Matt Corral. Okay. Yeah, I think I'd agree. I was just, I was just curious because I like he wears the same that... number. He like kind of yeah. plays the same way, but Matt Corral could sling it, man. I just don't mm-hmm. think Jackson Dart. He does not have like, uh, I don't know, against pretty top competition, throwing the ball. I don't see him truly elevating. Uh, but you know, still, I don't. I mean, he's still pretty young, so like a long time. That's could true. Do, but... He's managed the offense pretty well. Uh, like, you know, he seems to run, manage the game pretty well, which is a big part of a quarterback. But And I haven't watched intently. Like, I haven't went back and watched film on Ole Miss to, like, see what he's really hitting and missing. I just know the game I did watch from, you know, nearly start to finish, he was very mediocre uh, running the Ole Miss offense, which I know is a pretty quarterback-friendly offense. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not trying to run the, you know, the dang Titans, you know, um, what's his Jeff Fisher offense. That's just like not quarterback friendly at all. Uh, he's running possibly the most, if not the second, like I put like Lincoln Riley's offenses are the most quarterback friendly probably ever. Uh, and then Lane Kiffin is right up there with just, and the, although they have, I think that's even why you've seen them run the ball so much this year is because he's not a truly elite passer. Um, probably not even a really great passer. Um, but he does kind of, he just kind of has, and I, I don't say this lightly and I don't mean to be it. Uh, he's just kind of has the douche factor. That's like an Ole Miss quarterback seems to have these days, yep. uh, where it's just like, golly, that guy just looks like one of those, one of their frat guys, like for real, that and guy, all their students look the same, the exact same yeah. in the it's student like, section. God, they're either like- skinny kids with like a half bowl cut or they're like massive tanks that like their shirts are way too tight and they're just like, there's one of two body styles and types of students at Ole Miss. I I don't know who their backup quarterback is, but I think Dart got hurt for like, or they thought their backup was going to have to come in and they panned over to the backup on the sideline. And I said, that dude is like, he just got done pledging KA or something. I was Uh. like, that is the most Ole Miss looking dude ever. 
and it's perfect for i love when you have schools like i get i mean it's any sec school i guess but specifically like ole miss or bama and you see one of their backups and it's just a straight up like frat dude who just wanted to go to Ole Miss and he's was probably a really good QB in high school or something. And he just, I don't know. He fits the mold so well. It had me cracking up. I was like, that is just another guy at Ole Miss. Uh, yeah. He, he's like a skinny kid with that half bowl cut. Like exactly. With his, like, like Yeah. With his Bieber cut basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it couldn't fit more perfect, but I saw, see, I saw Matt Corral have that in him like way before he was there, like starting quarterback. There was an egg bowl that he came into. Mm-hmm. I remember he was a backup at the time, and he came in, and I was like, that guy is a douche. He, he's definitely going to be a, a quarterback. Like, he's going to be their quarterback. He's got to be, right? Like, he's a little small dude. Like, he's not very big for the quarterback position. Just runs around. Just, oh, man. How, I I, I kind of say that jokingly, lovingly, but it is kind of a player that you're like, I really like the way Jackson Dart even paints his face. He'd be like, dude, I'd like to just like to have a knock at this guy. Honestly, like if I, <laughs> if, if I saw a quarterback out there lined up like that, I would want to hit him. So like, I'd be like, all right, we'll get, we're, we're getting a few licks like, on I'm, this guy. I'm lighting this sure. kid up. Well, yeah. yeah, he does. He does the Aiden <sighs> Hutchinson, like stripe for the eye black. But it's like, dude, you're like five eleven, like one ninety. Bro, you're I not, a, you're not exactly a warrior. Like that, no. that is kind of what it is. That's what it's, he's trying to do. And yeah, Aiden not, Hutchinson can pull it off. Cause yeah, cause he's a huge freak and a yeah. beast. And it's like, anyone wants to step to him on the field. Yeah. He can step to him. But like, can you imagine? being like our size essentially like three well even probably shorter than you will and lining up and like jeffrey simmons is on the other side of the ball and you've painted your face like that and you're like wow i'm about to get absolutely just wrecked yeah <laughs> like, you're well, this guy's you gonna your break face. me yeah you do that in a way so it's like yeah i'm the tough guy on the field yeah. you know <laughs> yeah meanwhile you have actual tough guys <laughs> like across across the line coming to kill you yeah yeah not uh, just not a target you want to put on your face. Like, especially when you're not like that good. Like if you're truly elite, like if you're an NFL guy, you can kind of do whatever you want. And it looks cool. Like if you're just like pretty mid, if you're just. <laughs> you're a middle of the pack. SEC quarterback. <laughs> you, can't be, you can't be doing. And you're already like a little short old Miss frat boy looking guy. Like, don't dude, don't paint, don't paint that over your eye. You just, you're from Cal, you're a Cali boy down here in the <laughs> SEC, bro. <laughs> you are going to get your, you are going to get rocked. <laughs> yeah. Tough, tough. Um, let, Let's move along. We'll talk about, okay. So there was another field storming that went on Clemson orange against orange, orange on orange crime Clemson against Syracuse. This game had me super intrigued because of the what if factor of, if Syracuse would have pulled that out, they almost did too. Well, and just think about it. If they do, I don't know what Syracuse schedule looks like, but I'm just, I was just imagining Syracuse running the table and an undefeated Syracuse big orange in the playoff. That would have been something. To they would have gotten molly whopped. Like, I don't know, man. Uh, Syracuse looked awesome. I was cheering for Syracuse all the they way down to the They wire. still have to play Wake Forest at Wake Forest. They would have lost that game for sure. And that is a game Syracuse would lose after beating Clemson. Yeah. Nah, they definitely slip up. Like be, going undefeated is hard. Once you get to like nine and zero, yeah, pressure they, building. They had to like, play Notre dude, Dame, Pitt, Florida State, Wake Forest. Those other four team, in a row, they yeah. might lose two of them. I know, but I was just thinking. I go, everyone talks about wanting all this parity in football, and we have it this year. Imagine throwing Syracuse into that the would playoff. be. Hey, 
if they won all their games in the ACC, they would have earned it. They oh, no, like, I know. And I agree. I there. just thought that's what I'm saying. I think it would have been awesome. Yeah. And now it's now we get kind of the we can now everyone's back to just cheering against Clemson. Like if Syracuse oh. would have been undefeated, I would have been like, this is hilarious. This is awesome. Have have Meanwhile, we ever seen have we ever seen a program make such a like negative arc as Clemson has? Like I feel like when they kind of came up with Dabo and they were kind of rival style, it was like everyone kind of loved Clemson. It was like I awesome. love Dab- Clemson. I loved Dabo new- at the time. Yeah, but they have – I mean, Dabo is so dislikable these days. I mean, it is just night and day. Like, And they're so annoying because they are still pretty good, but they're not – they still don't seem to be as great. Like, there was a while they were great. I mean, those teams were, were fantastic. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. I mean – And now it's just like y'all are just a little bit better than most of the ACC, which is not like not very good. Um, so it's just a little frustrating even to see them keep having this level of like winning, but there's not actually that good. And Davo's annoying. And he's like, out of, well, I'm kind of laying it all out there, but Davo's just a big hypocrite and just, just says a bunch of stuff that's meaningless says he'll quit coach. He'll quit coaching if the players get paid. And then what does he do? Well, doesn't, doesn't quit, quit liar and takes like a hundred million dollars to keep coaching. Like just, just things that make me a little sick. I don't know. It just seems, just seems on the surface. It seems awesome. Clemson seems great, but then like, there's a reason a lot of people like don't really like Clemson. I think it was kind of a cool, almost underdog story there for a little bit. Yeah. But now it's like, and and the Clemson fan base isn't that big, even with yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know if there's a lot of bandwagon fans or anything, but yeah, even, even with, with them, two national championships, like well, actually, it's just you just don't have the fan base support, so it's like you kind of, they're this good team that's not really a it's just not a tradi- a traditional college football team, you know what I mean? I don't I don't really know another way to put it. Like all these other programs have some kind of tradition or story program or something. From the past, and I guess you can say Clemson's built that, but it's not the same because you don't have you don't have huge college football fans in Clemson, South Carolina. Even if they're big Clemson fans, like they just aren't. It's not the same as some SEC or Big Ten or even Big Twelve programs fans. And I don't know how much that adds to it, but it makes it a little different for me. Just the fact that it's they're kind of on the outside at all times. They're a little bit of a misfit in the world of college football, even when they are really good. Yeah, they are kind of a misfit. It's like they're Southern, but they don't really fit the true SEC profile. Like they're not, yeah, they're not a true, I don't I don't know. They've been sustained really great for a while now, but they still don't quite get the respect like that other programs get. Um, they are just, they're in the SEC footprint, I think is kind of weird, but they're not in the SEC. So it's, I don't know. I don't know what to think of Clemson. I don't really like Dabo, um, but I think he's kind of Clemson's guy and they've just embraced, like you got to kind of embrace the guy that's won all this stuff. Like, what are you going to do? Get rid of Dabo? Like, and people used to think he might go to Alabama, but I think that ship has sailed a while ago. Like, yeah. He's no, the king. Yeah. No way you leave Cle- Clemson where you are the dude for life. To go and you have the easiest Saban. road. Like, why yeah. would you? I I get. I guess the alma mater poll, the alma mater poll. But I mean, dude, it's not going to be any easier to just keep winning than where you're at. 
you have the easiest job in the world now that you've built it to that, like credit to Dabo. Like he's made it an easy job for himself now, but he he's going to win 10 games there for the rest of his life. If he wants to probably Pretty much, I don't know. I don't even know where we're going with you this. You think but that's where uh, you think that's what like Penn state felt like at the beginning of Joe Paterno. They're like, yep. He's the won a few national championships. He's going to be here as long as he wants. And like, actually is know. there for a long, long, long time. Now, nah, I mean, that just won't happen. Like Joe Paterno is way younger, even I think, and coached way longer, but it's just like, well, even if he wins nine, eight, 10 games, like he's still our coach. Like Davos just our coach until he doesn't want to be our coach. He's our coach. I think if you win multiple natties, like you earn that right. Unless you just totally fall off. Like, like uh, Phil Fulmer, like he had a losing season. Like, yeah, he won a natty, but it was always kind of, eh. And then he, yeah, he has that losing season kind of that last year and gets asked to step down. And then, I mean, we could go all into Phil Fulmer, but that's a little different. He didn't win multiples. I think winning multiple natties changes, like that's different than winning one. I definitely think. No, it's like you've built the program, like the thing with Fulmer, I feel like it was like, okay, you had a good year. And besides that, like, you're going to do pretty good, but we don't, like, I don't know. You kind of had, you're a one hit wonder a little bit. Um, Dabo's different where it's, you've won multiple natties. Has because- he won three? Just two. Uh, I think Dabo's won two, right? One with Deshaun and one with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. He's right. been to three. I think he's won. One two though, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. I mean, he's got 2016, at least... 2018. Okay. okay. Well, that's yeah. been it's been four years now. I mean, they they, they kind of had a nice little run, but they haven't been quite up there. But we'll see. Maybe this year didn't they? they... Some people. Did they still win the ACC last so year? So he's been to four national championships. He's two and two. Okay. Did they still win the ACC last year? Uh, no. Okay. They still won 10 games, though, I think. Yeah, so the past two years, they finished in second. Huh, interesting. Yeah, but See, they I just think... he's the last time he didn't win double-digit games was 2010. Gotcha. Uh, that is that I mean, is that's crazy. pretty dang impressive. Yeah, that's, that is, that's real impressive. I mean, that's on – Saban's probably the only one that could say that other than him. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And that's, I mean, that's who you got to compare him kind of against. I mean, Dabo would be elevated to me above. I don't personally like him very much, but as a coach, I mean, who he's really the only one and maybe Kirby will be this, be that guy too. But of this era, he's the only one to kind of actually put a dent and put a chink in Bama to my, in my opinion. Like the only one to really stand as a true opposition. Like there were a few Clemson teams that stood as like true, like, okay, these guys stand toe to toe and like like multiple years, not just a one time, not just one team together. Like he put together a program that stood against Bama. And yeah, I you think, had sort of a rivalry there. Like it was yeah. a playoff rivalry, kind of Clemson and Bama. Like that was yeah. that was it for a little bit. Cause you had Georgia and Oklahoma at the time that were still like one or the other would get in, but they weren't necessarily the threat like it was Bama and Clemson for a little bit and then Ohio State I think winning that second one is huge like winning that's winning a second like Jimbo Fisher one-time national champion coach like 
I do not think of him in the same category. Like, I think kind of like you were saying with Fulmer, it's like you got hot with one, like the right corner, the right, you know, group of factors got together. You won a natty with the right quarterback. You know, you had a great quarterback in play. Um, but I do not put him on the level of like building a national championship program over several years um, or that kind of thing. Uh, so I think that second one, like Orge runs on that one, you know, yeah. one natty. Gene Chiswick won one natty. Like Gene Chiswick is one of the worst to ever win a natty, I think. Well, that would yeah. be a funny list of like worst coaches to ever win a national championship. Ed Orgeron and Gene Chiswick, I think, are those two would be they would have to be up at, at least the top. Coach O like went out and like did it the like Coach O went out and got a bunch of those guys. Like yeah, Gene he, Chizik, he did the recruiting. Chiswick just got so lucky with Cam Newton. Well, yeah, like if he just I mean, like, oh well, we're gonna lap. Yeah, we're gonna oh shoot, we can pay this guy's grandpa's church or his dad's church a bunch of money and he'll uh, he'll come and play for us for a year. Perfect. And he's gonna be the best, he's gonna have the best year ever in college yeah. football. The best like, singular season. Yeah, the best singular, like not a career because it wasn't a career. Like yeah, Tebow, I think, had one, the best career. One single season, the most un like insane. You can unimaginable. Yeah, put the whole team on his back to like, a natty. At least Coach O got Burrow, and yeah, Burrow had one of the best seasons too. But Coach but O was also like, "Hey, let's hire Joe Brady too. to run this offense. Let's go out and get Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and recruit an entire team." At least I don't know. Yeah, where uh, Cam Newton just like put the team on his back and never but, looked back. But no, like well, Seth, Seth, I guess like Urban was, Meyer. Urban Meyer would be. Yeah, Urban's like, the closest. Urban's the, last the closest to Saban, I think. Yeah. But that's because he's 20, done it in two schools too. Yeah, the, yeah, just like Saban did. The 2010s decade, I know Urban got a natty in the whatever it was, 14 or I think it was 14. But that decade was like Dabo is the true number two in that era, especially because yeah. Urban kind of was on his way out and everything. But Urban yeah. snagged a few while Saban was kind of uh, not at his like height. You know, he snagged a few like in between him leaving LSU and him getting back to Alabama, I feel like. Yeah, because like what? He, Florida won 06. And 08, right? Yeah, so that was before. And then Bama won 09 was that first first one cra- Saban won at that's Bama. The, that's the craziest thing about Nick Saban. Is like, him he has he has years, and he's there. Yeah, and he has overseen like three different powers rise and fall, or like four different other eras. Like he essentially ended the Florida dynasty – he sent, you know, Urban Meyer just heart attacks just by being the coach at Bama, like giving him heart problems, uh, sent him packing. Um, and then he first, like, he's been there the whole Clemson rise and fall. He's seen kind of Georgia rise up. Like, he's just a consistent nation that other teams rise up against, but like never actually falls. Like, even if they don't win this year, like they're still going to be right there next year. Uh, you know, poised to probably be one of the teams that can win it all again. Um, just a constant measuring bar. So if you get a few over on Saban, and that's why Cle- I think Clemson did it at the height of his power. Like Clemson kind of came around and beat them when they seemed unbeatable. Like at the beginning, it was like, you know, yeah, have some good, I don't know. But it just, when they truly were rolling so hard and they were so unstoppable, uh, Clemson came in and kind of beat them a few times. They beat, you know, that one, I remember that one national championship game. I can't remember exactly what year, but, you know, 
Alabama was heralded as the greatest team of all time. I mean, they hadn't lost a game and they truly, I mean, to, for all intents and purposes, yeah, I would probably have, have agreed. But then Clemson came out and pretty much dominated that, that game against them. Kind of shocked them, I think, a little bit. But um, so, yeah, I think Urban would be the one guy in the first era. And he's a comp to Saban because they did it at two schools. Like winning a national championship, if not multiple, at like different schools, I think is crazy impressive. Um, you know, now let's be honest. I mean, Urban won at Florida and Ohio State, but I mean, you know, two great schools. It's not like he took nobody's to win, but no one else really does that. Yeah. Um, and Saban's done it at LSU and Alabama. Um, so just huh, crazy impressive. Um, such such high standard. Um, and that's you know, well, let's just tie it back into like Brian Kelly. Like the coach at LSU, I like compared to Nick Saban. Like your stand, your bar that you're comparing yourself to is Nick Saban, and I don't think he compare. Like I don't see him as a coach that stands toe to toe with Nick Saban. No, he gets um, out coached 99 out of 100 times. Yeah, it's I been know. fun to see Kirby come up. I mean, Kirby's been the the really true protege that actually seems to, you know, have a chance of really being a long term sustained powerhouse. Um, and so it's kind of fun to watch him coach and bring up Georgia because Georgia's always been kind of middling on that, like should be elite category, but kind of me- not mediocre, but good mediocre. Like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like not true, not six and six mediocre, but like nine and three mediocre where it's like, yeah, you're a really good team, but you're still just kind of mediocre. Um, but it's been fun to watch him and attack Saban. And that's, that's kind of the, they're the in one right now of like true, uh, true threat to Alabama proximity wise, recruiting wise, um, all that kind of stuff. They are able to be on par with Alabama. Um, so hopefully it'll drive Nick Saban to his retirement. Just go enjoy life, bro. Please. God, go fishing, go play golf every day. Stop going on the recruiting trail and trying to beat Arkansas for the billionth time in a row. Just stop. Dude, what's that even gonna look like? I don't even know. Like, does Bama raid? I mean, is Bama just not gonna be good anymore? Are they gonna still be like who's gonna take? I, I don't know who's gonna take over for him because, like, like we were saying, Dabo's not gonna do it. You're, I mean, you're would not they really hire, gonna. Would they hire Kiffin? I think it kind of. I, I think it depends on when. I think, uh, yeah. like, if it happened, if it happened this year, I don't know. I think Kiffin would probably be. A he'd likely be a top choice. contender because you know he'd leave Ole Miss for Alabama a thousand percent. I and think anybody would. I think I think Kiffin. I think I may have mentioned this before. Like Kiffin does seem like the only guy maybe that kind of has the gall to even coach after Saban. Like to be like, yeah, I can stand up to Saban. Like I'll coach after him. Um, I think a lot of guys would kind of not cower away from that, but like understand the huge weight that that does carry to like follow a coach like that, and they'd be like, you know what? this is probably not my opportunity right now. Like I've already got it. Cause they're going to be going after big dogs. Um, they're going to, well, that's what after- I'm saying. I just don't think you're going to pull another big name coach away. Like who, it, I, who would you pull away? Like you're not pulling away Ohio state or Michigan or, you know, someone like that's coach. It's not like Lincoln Riley's not leaving USC or some, you know, I mean, any big name you're going after, like, 
there has to be some kind of connection. And at least Lane has that, you know, he's been in the SEC. He He's worked at Alabama before. Like, he's not re- – like, he's at Ole Miss, so it's not – you know, it's not up to par with that kind of program. That's what I think is interesting is there has to be some kind of drop-off because there's you're you're not pulling a big name that's, you know – even though you're a top five program, the best one of the best programs of all time, you're not just pulling away anyone you want. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it, it probably we can't really prognosticate just because we do not know how long he's going to be there. Because if he's there eight more years, like his contract says, or something like, first of all, I don't. I can't even. I don't even want to think about that. First of all, how many more L's I'm going to have to hang on my forehead before he leaves town. But if he's there eight more years, the coach probably looks a lot different um, than if he, you know, left in two years. Um, if he's there for another eight years, we probably don't even know the guy's name yet. Who's going to be, you know, replacing him. It probably, I my true bet is then when it gets to like the year or two before he's about to go, he will have an offensive or defensive coordinator that you that is he is grooming for the head coaching that that's yeah. kind of my thought is that yep. he's gonna it's like we're almost gonna know when he's gonna leave because he's gonna be like we're gonna know that he's had his guy in place probably a defensive coordinator I don't know if I had to really guess but it's like okay this guy is you know for all intents and purposes shaping up to be the next coach um I think we'll know he's kind of on his last year or two but that's just that's just one idiot's guess who's just wants Nick Saban to be gone I, I would wish death upon him just so he'll stop coaching, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm going to rise above it, and I'm not going to. I just want him to retire, please. There are a couple of other names that I'm I'm looking at here, looking at the, the Saban coaching tree. Uh, what about, like, Mario Cristobal, Steve Sarkeesian? Yeah, but even Cristobal. Mel Tucker? Like Cristobal's at his dream job, first of all, and he's Mel doing Tucker. a bad, and he's doing a bad job. So it's like, yeah, I don't think they, yeah, you can't. I don't know. What is Oregon ranked right now? No, yeah, he's but in he's Miami. in Miami. Oh yeah, that's good. Duh, he that's right. Miami. That's right. Or he left. I was thinking he was still at. Uh, I like Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker could be an option, um, but I mean, he just maybe. signed a big deal at Michigan State, and they're not looking like. That's what I'm saying. They're not great. How did he get such a big deal? Because it was good timing, you know, like he had a big, he had a big year right away. And it's like, all right, let's lock this guy up before anyone else, you know, cause there's a lot, there's been a lot of programs out looking for coaches every year, the past three years, pretty much. So they wanted to lock him down and they're paying for it. (laughs) And I'm not saying like, I think I like Mel Tucker fine. He's at Michigan State, so it's not like he doesn't have to win Big Ten championships every year. If he wins one in six or seven years, I think that's pretty much what they hope for. Yeah. They should make Izzo the football coach. He could do it. I always kind of just thought of him as the football coach. It's because him and D'Antonio seem so similar. Yeah, they did have kind of a – they. They didn't look the same, but they did kind of have the same. They had the same demeanor, super gritty, blue-collar type guys, like Michigan State guys, for sure. Both, like, Italian. Is Izzo Italian? He's got to be. 
Yeah, it's gotta be right. He looks. They both look Italian. I've been watching a lot of Sopranos lately, so they nice. definitely look like Italian guys. Nice. I don't even know how we. Speaking of the Big Ten, so Iowa and Ohio State played. We don't have to talk too much about it. I don't know Bro, if y'all know. No one's but... gonna watch Ohio State all year just because like <laughs> all their games are garbage. They just well, like they're playing <laughs> Iowa, and I don't. I don't know if y'all know this, but. There's just been there's been this whole thing. Brian Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz's son, is the OC at Iowa, and he just refused to put in a different quarterback all year. Even though, what was funny is Spencer Petras and CJ Stroud had the same amount of passing attempts on the year, and CJ Stroud obviously has like fifteen hundred more passing yards and a billion more touchdowns. I think Petras has two or three touchdowns total on the year. But anyway, I mean, there's this whole thing. Brian Ferentz is the worst OC maybe ever. And Kirk basically wants to give him the head coaching job. Like, Kirk is trying to groom him as the next head coach. And Iowa fans, honestly, that I think I said this this weekend about a and I might say more about Iowa right now. That might be the last program I'd want to be a fan of right now just because your current head coach – who's basically your king. Like, Kirk Ferentz is a king at Iowa. And he, it seems like he's almost trying to ruin this program because he wants to hand over the reins to his son, who is so bad at his job. So bad that Ohio State beat Iowa 54-10. to Iowa's one touchdown came on defense. And a lot of people came away talking about how the Iowa defense played really good. And if you look at the stats outside of Ohio State scoring 54 points, Iowa only gave up like 360 yards of offense, which means that their offense had to have just been giving up the ball inside their own 10 all game. <laughs> I mean, it is awful. Imagine That's Ohio State bad. scored 54 points with only 360 yards of offense. That's, yeah. Like you said, they had to be getting the ball at, on Iowa's side of the field every single time. Yeah, or getting their own defensive touchdowns. Like I said, like I watched the first half like a pretty good bit and thought Iowa was kind of hanging with them. And then I look up and it's yeah, fifty-four to ten. So not yeah, not much what? going on there. I just what? thought it was worth noting. What is your headspace there as an Iowa fan? Like you're you watch this product happen and then your head coach is trying to actively make this your future. It's like, no, you see what happened this Saturday. You see how ineffective our offense is? Yep. Let's run it back for the next eight years. Like After I'm gone, like, I feel like Iowa, like Kirk Ferentz, yeah, he is highly regarded there, but would some of them not want to be like, look, I get what we do and why we do it, but could we be a little more entertaining? Could we be at least be exotic smash mouth football instead of just like, instead of just Iowa football, like have at least a little fun? Nope. We're going to even make it worse by giving you the worst offensive play caller, the worst offensive coach of all time, shoving it right down your face. Didn't they have a nepotism case? This is actual nepotism at work. Like they had a case against that he hired his son, but not based on merit. So first of all, you've already hired this guy and people have like disputed it. Actual legal action has been taken against you even hiring your son not because of merit, but because he's your son. And you're going to make him the head coach after all he's done is be terrible. 
Hurts my head, boys. Hurts my head. Dude, the the best was this past week before the game even started. A reporter, this went kind of viral on Twitter, asked Brian Ferentz. He said, what would the downside be of trying out another quarterback? And Brian, like this man's response was, well, what would the upside be? And everyone, everyone on Twitter is like, maybe you would score any points at all. Like you can't <laughs> do worse than no points. Like yeah. him, his response being, what would the upside be? I was like, literally the upside is actually infinite compared to what you've been <laughs> Yeah, doing. you scored zero offensive points. I, it can only go up from there. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, Ups- I mean, yeah, it's the upside is anything. Yeah. <laughs> anything is the yeah. upside. Even worse results is still honestly the upside. Cause yeah, it's it, like, it then you know, all, yeah, it can't be worse, but you, at least you figured it out. That, oh. I can't, I can't wait to see this Nebraska Iowa game because I mean, Nebraska's defense is pretty bad this year, like very bad, but Iowa's offense, I think Iowa's offense is worse. Like, I think Nebraska could actually beat Iowa by a couple touchdowns this year. Uh, yeah. Now, will I be surprised if Iowa beats them? No, obviously not. But, I mean, that will be – something's got to give in that Nebraska defense Iowa give. offense game on Black Friday this year. I mean, I, I oh. can't wait to see it. I'm rolling with the black shirts. You know I'm, it's going to be a shutdown defensive performance that we can all get excited about. You know, like the black shirts are back, you know, a little 13 points given up against Iowa, like – it's a big boy game right there. It's Big Ten football, baby. I think that is funny about football. It's like sometimes it isn't the overall. Even if your defense is really bad, if you play against a worse offense, you're going to look like you just have to be marginally better than the other opponent to like look pretty good. Like that's what I'm hoping for in this Arkansas-Auburn game is like Arkansas's defense is bad, very bad against the pass, very, very bad. But you know what Auburn is terrible at? Passing the ball. So, I mean, something's got to give. Something's got to give. And I, I, I tend to think that the, the terrible the terrible loses out to the very bad most of the time. And so as long as you can find that little edge, that's all you need. Very true. I can't disagree with that. What, uh, anything else you all want to – you want to cover in the college world? We can do a little Titans talk as well. Um, I, I was surprised. I guess we talked about um, South Carolina a little bit. Definitely surprised by them a little bit so far. Yep. After Arkansas beat them and beat them pretty soundly, and then Georgia just thumped them, I did kind of think they were dead. So shout out to uh, shout out to Beamer. Definitely caught some heat from me, but I've I've done a few of these. I'm not I'm not turning my stance on Fra- on Shane Beamer at all. I think he is cornball. He's so weird. But so is South Carolina. Kinda they may have found He's their a perfect weirdo. fit. They may have found their weirdo. Like you know, sometimes a, a weirdo works out at like weird locations. Um, I'm starting to think that the Mike Leach uh, tenure is kind of. I was predicting this to be his best year and he's kind of just been all over the place again. And I'm starting to think it's nearing its end. I think maybe next year will be his last year in Starkville. Um, I don't know if Will Rogers is back actually, if Will Rogers is back, I'll keep riding with him, but I think he's nearing the end. Like they just looked putrid against Bama and after they looked amazing against Arkansas and I thought they were a really good team. I've been proved dead wrong. 
because they have lost to Kentucky and Alabama bad and could lose a few more. So um, let's see. Tennessee got a got a uh, got a big one this week. Yeah, 60 got a, burger. Got to see Joe Milton. Got to see Taven Jackson get hurt. Um, yep. Now they got Kentucky. Kentucky at home in Neyland. Uh, dark should, mode. Yep, are they going? Mode. They wearing black. And I it's, think they're wearing black helmets too. Yeah, it hasn't technically been announced, but the black but helmets have been, been leaked. leaked. Yeah, and so. there's all orange helmets too. Did you see? Yeah, that? what do you, Trusha, What do you think about the orange helmets? I like the all black helmets. I don't. I mean, it just doesn't. What's feel, all orange? What is their helmets are? So it's orange, orange helmet, white power tee, white okay. stripe. Yeah, but it's not like UT orange. Yeah, it's. Sure. I thought it was a little weird. I honestly, I I like having. Not, a white how is it not right UT orange? Like if you see it, you'll be like, oh yeah, that's not exactly. It's just, it just a, the shades right. off a little bit. It didn't look right, and I like the orange britches, orange uni, and white helmet. I think looks so good. So I, I was like, I I kind of want to see it like with a white like white jersey, orange orange britches like you said but white jersey orange helmet i just want to see what it looks that, like that that could be combo i, I was thinking combo. they might do like a full like color rush orange out they don't need to I do that i don't think that, that would, would look, look good. Te- yeah i was thinking that would look terrible but if they did a, a white jersey with the orange helmet and um the orange britches i think uh that could look decent i'd like to at least give it a shot i'd be okay if they started mixing and matching a little though with a couple now that you got a couple of things, especially with the dark mode helmet from last year, like you could wear that with a lot of stuff. Like you could wear that with the white jersey and it looked good. Um, Agreed. I, but I digress. We're getting too too far into uni swag. No, but no, uni, I swag, mean, uni swag matters. You look it does. Good. You, if you're confident in the uniform you're going out there in, I don't know. I'd like to see this. I'd well, like to see the statistics. I need to go back and crunch some numbers to say like, yeah, these uniforms were fire. This team won. Like what percentage of the time? And you know what? I will say this because there were so many Tennessee fans that were so happy when the Smoky Grays got put away and get so angry yeah. anytime we were in ultimate so jersey. Weird. Dude, what yeah, who cares? Like we, yeah, who does care? If if the young players think they look swaggy and that like helps get recruits in there. I mean, I think as weird as it sounds, this kind of generation of kids loves to look good on the football field. Dude, Oregon built an entire football program off of swag. They yeah, did. That is true. That is true. Like you, it, it's now, okay to have win some championships. Alter- hey, swag doesn't win championships. Yeah, yeah, we but know that. But we need talent, so. though. Yeah, it'll get you some players. Like guys like dressing up in the cool looking uniforms. I mean, and it gets guys excited to play. Whatever, like they get excited to wear them. It looks cool. I don't need them to wear orange and white every single game. Like, and I, I like the traditional uniform. I do, but it, I, I don't know. There were some people that were super passionate about never wear. I mean, there were people that loved Pruitt because he put away the smoky grays and he had them wearing black cleats and stuff like, yeah, look how that turned out for you. What yeah. a great guy. Like the most <laughs> traditional guy. I'm glad we were able to win eight games one time and then he got he got fired two years later i mean uh, yeah and i feel like, is that type of guy to let the the players really do what they want let them express themselves be kind of just playing free out there and i think for this kind of era of football that's what you need to do i like the uh i like the dark mode better than the smoky grays in my opinion 
The dark mode on Halloween is pretty baller. That like orange and black is crisp. That's pretty nice. I just don't like the anthracite. I have like PTSD hog flashbacks of that anthracite color. Cause we tried to have like an anthracite unit a while back and it was during an era of bad jerseys altogether, like bad design. And they were so bad and gross. And I watched some really terrible, terrible football take place in the ugliest uniforms. And that's when they come back to bite you. I'll be honest. When you're, when you're like desperate and pulling for alternate uni tricks and you're just down bad and you're just like throwing alternate anthracite unis at the wall and your team sucks and you play bad in them and it's just gross to watch altogether. But if you're good and you break a break one out every now and then, yeah, don't change it up every week. But yeah, Halloween weekend at night under the lights, like, yeah, we're going dark mode. Like, come on, we're throwing it on. We're putting on the black helmets. We're still the Vols and we're going to kick your butt. Let's go. Like yeah. at the end of the day, people do freak out way too much. Like, oh, what are you going to do? Not cheer for the team because they're wearing gray uniforms. Weirdo. Like, come on. The Vols are wearing gray. Let's go. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't even mean to get off on that tangent, but it is something that it bothers me now because it bothered so many people the opposite direction. So I'm. I don't know. I You're bothered by it. their botheredness. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're like. What? You're like. Are you double triggered or like? You're. I'm. Tr- I am. I'm only triggered by other people's being triggered. I think what I think what triggered me personally <laughs> is Tennessee take took it as a like they see alternate jerseys as kind of a gimmicky thing and they're this uh traditional program that's so great that they don't need to be scarred by you know uh b- alternate jerseys basically because you know because Alabama doesn't do that uh but I'm sitting here I'm like that Ohio State wears an alternate jersey every now and then and get like, sorry, hate to break it to you. Tennessee doesn't hold a candle to Ohio State when it comes to program success and what a program means like over time as far as a football program goes. Like it's okay to do things your own way. You are not do everything just because Alabama. Yeah. Alabama players probably want an alternate uniform, but like daddy Saban won't won't let it be so because he's a grandpa but yeah and that kind of thinking is pretty archaic like it's fun to just change things up and that's just what it is like Tennessee worships that style so much that that's what they think of they think okay Saban doesn't do this like don't think of it like that that is that is what they're thinking of too and you're stuck in the old fat Phil Phil Fulmer ways like that's what got you I mean this is really I'm, I'm really going out on a limb here but that type of thinking, that's how Phil Fulmer decided to hire Jeremy Pruitt. He's like, let's get the most like plain Jane Southern dude ever to come coach our football team, and that's going to be our identity. Like, you don't have to have that as your identity. You can you can have a little fun, have a little swag, and that's what you have now with Josh Heupel. I didn't think we'd get so metaphorical with uh Tennessee football program, but I think it, it's funny because that does kind of define the two uh I don't know, the paradigm shift a little bit from Pruitt to Heupel is, you know, just little thing, even just little things like that. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> you know who I, I, well, you guys like, it's been long enough now and it's been a pretty good era of Titans football. I'm jumping into the Titans. Hope that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. 
Well, we're talking about uniforms before we get off of uniforms because, hey, it's a big part of the game. We want to look. We want to look good. I'm still like I like the Titans uniforms pretty good, but I would be OK if they changed them again. I'll, that's kind of my stance on them. I like them pretty good. It's definitely associated with this era, which has been good. But like I don't I hope they don't hold on to these for like. 20 years like they did the last ones to be I just want to see some throwbacks. That's all. And I think those are coming next year, right? Yeah. That would be nice if you if you added if but I'd like to throw back to the early Titans too. Like I wouldn't mind seeing that old pattern make its way back onto the field. Yeah, to the, the Frank Wycheck, Javon Curse, Eddie George. Yeah, throw me back to those early, early, early two thousands Titans jerseys, which were the same essentially as the ones that they finished with in like twenty sixteen. <laughs> but I, I want to see it. I so, want the sword about- logo back. Yeah. Yeah. That's like true. they have the swords on the sleeves right now, kind of, but I want the sword logo is like the best secondary logo in the NFL, in my opinion. I've, I've always long said that they should just put the like something else on the helmets other than that flame. The flame is kind the of fireball. Whack. Yeah. I mean, we all kind of like it because it's ours, but it's just like functionally really as a fit. logo, it's just very, yeah, it doesn't really it's just fit weird. A, a Titan. I just like that TriStar T. It's always been my favorite. Like, just the middle of that logo is sick. Yeah, just you put that, that on a helmet. Like, you, I think we're trying too hard. We're just trying a little too hard. Um, but anyway, the boys in two-tone blue looked real, real good, um, at least in, in some facets of the game, um, against the ugly Colts royal blue and white, just bland. Talk about a bland program. The Indianapolis Colts, the a Indianapolis sad, sad Colts? franchise. The Iowa <laughs> of the Ellinger. NFL. The Iowa of the NFL, which some might call the Steelers because they look exactly the same. True. Um, I've, I've always, like, the fact that their uniforms are literally exactly the same kind of bothers me, honestly. But Yeah, we've got little we've, different I'm fonts. Just, my, my brain's on uniforms now. But, yeah, in terms of – I don't even know who they are. The, the Colts are just a miserable, sad sack of a franchise right now with no direction whatsoever. Like, think about their past five years and think about their future. Like, there's nothing really – they have the highest paid offensive line in football right now, and they're terrible. It's their biggest weakness on the team. Like, they don't have a quarterback. They don't even have a plan to have a quarterback. They don't have a plan. They're not tanking for a quarterback. Sam Ellinger's – Sam Ellinger. He's, he's not their quarterback. I, I will put – my hand on whatever Bible and swear that he is not their Super Bowl winning quarterback. Um, I actually would bet there's, I don't think he, all right. I don't even need to get into how, how bad I don't think he, he is not the guy. All right. (laughs) At the end of the day, he is not that guy. Um, So, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's your best player and he's kind of hurt. And I don't know, where do they go? I mean, the Titans have just sent Jim Ursay. Did y'all see the video about how bad he wanted to beat the Titans? Like, no, I didn't like, see hey, it. I saw. Oh, someone, you need, dude. We need. I to, read something yeah, about you it. You need to. Like, all he wanted to do was beat. Dude, we are so deep in that man's brain. Oh yeah. All he wanted to do was beat the Titans, and then we just embarrassed them again. We break Matt Ryan, brittle, brittle, brittle Matt Ryan, eighty years old, archaic Matt Ryan. Like, doesn't even. He literally looks like a bag of bones compared to what he used to in atlanta like he looks weak and old and he's like 37 so he's really you know in in regular people terms he's like a very healthy very uh spry young man 
but in football terms, he is a He's dinosaur. Old as dirt. He is a dinosaur. And I know Tom Brady's played way past that, but he doesn't count. He yeah, doesn't count. Anomaly. He is just a, a walking stick out there, just getting broken and throwing interceptions and playing bad. Their offensive line's terrible. I mean, it's um, just, it's hilarious to me where the Colts are and then where the Giants and Jets are. Like the Giants and Jets are in significantly better places than the Colts are. And that just feels great to say. Oh. There is a stat going around today, and like the Colts sent have spent like 145 million dollars on the quarterback position in the last five years, and for what? And for what? They just haven't even washed, and they still. And the the crazy part is, not only have they gone through that just like purgatory of quarterbacks, they still have no long term even possible answer. Like the Titans even have a potential long term answer still at backup quarterback and the Colts don't and the Titans have had a starting guy dude the the Colts this is how bad they've been the Colts have been put in an absolute chokehold by Ryan Tannehill like <laughs> Ryan Tannehill owns them that's how owns bad them. owns them has that's he ever lost bad they've been. he has I believe but not many I think times. one game he's one he's, he's won way more than he's to the Colts lost. yeah I so, mean that's that's pretty amazing to say that Ryan Tannehill has just little brothered the Colts his, <laughs> his entire Tennessee Titans career. He I mean, Andrew Lucked them. Yeah, he basically he's Andrew Lucking them right now. And think yeah. about yeah, but Andrew Luck was Andrew Luck. Like this is like we know who Ryan Tannehill is. Like he is doing this to this yeah oh, if Andrew you know Luck Jim, was the Titans dude. quarterback last year, we would have won a Super Bowl. Yeah. You know dude Jim Ursay has just got nightmares dude ryan Tannehill has jim ursay in the absolute torture chamber like honestly our best bet might be to trade ryan Tannehill to the colts like like that might be our honest to god best solution like next year to just jim ursay so desperate we trade Tannehill for like half their defense or something like (laughs) yeah it's like dude this guy's really good he's beaten you all these times in a row like you definitely want this guy, Ryan Tannehill. Ursa is just like a just an awful drug addict. He just is like, yes, this is it. Like finally, he's like <laughs> he a gambling addict. He hasn't like, even watched this is the one. Like he actually has been so wrapped up in the Titans, he hasn't even watched the rest of football going on. He only watches the Colts Titans games. Like on, like he doesn't even watch the other games. So he thinks Ryan Tannehill is like a god. And he just, and he just trades away yeah, his whole defense to get Ryan Tannehill. Oh, that may be our best trick we could ever pull. You think he, is Tannehill hurt? It's kind of hard to say. <laughs> that seems like yes. I don't know. That answer that we just got from both of you guys seems like, like yes. Uh, I mean, but yeah, I mean like, Malik didn't look great when he came in. Malik's not great. <laughs> He's not. Yeah, like Malik's not good. I mean, he might. Nah, like, he man, still could be. Good. I guess he but, could be eventually good, but he is not good right now. I don't know. Well, like, yeah, I don't know. Most guys that are like are good are good. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Like right now, if you were like, if if you told me, if you were like, hey, Malik Willis is going to be, if you were from the future and you were like, Malik Willis is going to be a great quarterback, I'd be like, okay, well, it's probably going to happen in about three years because he's yeah. nowhere near it right now. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not totally writing him off forever. I just know that he is not like. 
Like if I'd we be had all to for start, drafting another quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And if we had to start, if he was our best option at the start of next year, I would think we'd be screwed. Like, yeah, we would think, not be good. Yeah. Um, now, would I, would I hate watching him run the offense this Sunday against the Texans? Not necessarily. Uh, not necessarily. Now, if Tannehill's ready to go, I definitely want him out there because we can't. We need to pick up that game. But do I think maybe 17 points wins us the game? Do I have a healthy Derrick Henry and a good defense ready to go? Yeah, I do. So I'm I'm just saying that might not. I'd like to see him in some real game action with the ones with the starters. Our 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 receiving core is still just as bad. It's not good. Like, Hooper finally did something. Who, yeah, Dude, that Hooper catch fun. was incredible. That one catch he had was inc- he made two yeah, huge say, plays in that game. Yeah, he he made that one third down play where he caught it short of the line and made a guy miss. Um, and that and you're was like, yeah, it's that like, that's like, why we got you. Yeah. That is what we, we need, need an athletic do. guy at tight end. Yeah. And then he made a great catch over the middle for sure. He had a few more plays in there now. I mean, I know we don't have Traylon and hopefully we get him back fairly soon. Um, but our receiving core is just bad. I mean, like we still just have guys, we still just have guys that aren't true pros out there on like important downs. So like you were Mace. in that you were in that group message with me, Reese, and Swaff when Reese goes, I hate Cody Hollister. And I said, No, I love Cody Hollister. It is not his fault. I was like, it is not his fault that he is playing in an NFL game. Like I hate the fact that we have to use Cody Hollister. Yeah, I have no problem against Cody Hollister. Shout out the dude, but it is it is a problem that he's one of our like rotating wide receivers, like yeah. a few snaps. Him and Mason Kinsey in there, like at the same time, and I'm like, holy, yeah, they're both in there, there's man. no way. Like, how have we constructed a roster with this sort of lack of depth? Like, it's not like a lot of guys have gotten hurt. Yeah, Traylon's out, but it's not like our top three wide receivers have gone down, and these guys are rotating in, getting major snaps like that. Maybe there's. A, Oh, it's not that hard to understand why we haven't scored that many points. Like our offense is still terrible. Our offense is bad. I'm, like, like we have a decent. bad offensive line. We don't have anyone to throw to. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we are riding Derrick Henry like down. I mean, this season, honestly, more than ever, we're just depending on him to just be like, well, just get us like a couple good drives where you just pound it out and we can maybe punch it in. And like, yeah, maybe we win by scoring 18 points. Like, if we score above 20 points, we're going to win, I don't know, most of our games, I guess. Like, I guess that's the theory. Like, score 21 and hope you win. Like, not a great theory to win in the playoffs. But uh, the thing is, we we don't have to win. I think people – it frustrates me, like, the conversation that happens. It's like, well, you know, the Titans, yeah, they keep winning, but they're not going to win in the playoffs. Like, yeah, the play – like, we're not playing the playoffs yet. And, like, you don't know what happens come game time. Like – Stuff like crazy stuff could happen. What if, yeah, the Chiefs are the one seed or a two seed or something? And like, but Patrick Mahomes is hurt. Like, you never, you truly never know. Like, crazy things can happen. Or they get knocked out or something. Yeah. We're probably, we don't look like we win playoff games, but we're not playing them tomorrow. Um, You know, there's obviously a lot of chance for, it's going to take a lot of improvement, you know, for our offense. But crazy things happen in the playoffs, just like last year. I mean, like the Titans should have won a playoff game and you know you get several turnovers and you know all of a sudden you know you lose um so i think it's just a little like 
to write off the Titans because they don't look like they're a great playoff team right now is just kind of lame. Like any team that makes the playoffs and that could, you know, I don't know, could win. Truly. But I am glad the playoffs don't start tomorrow because we our offense is brutal. I'm I'm just down a little bit because I don't really see based on like what I've seen from Todd Downing in his career. I don't necessarily see us like making vast improvements, which is unfortunate. Definitely. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of sick of seeing just bonehead plays. Like I'm not I'm not going to go too much into it because it's not worth my breath. But like the what end around, play? yeah, the end yeah. around to Malik. Uh, just let, like, can we just stop doing stuff like that at the worst <laughs> possible time? Like, honestly, if you want to lead off the game with that, like, okay, yeah, something... cool, like, catch him by surprise. Let's not do it when it's like we need to get first downs or we need to close a game out. Like, let's not get. I, I said this in another group text. That is up there for me with the uh, Ken Wisenhunt call to pass it to a Dory against. I think it was Arizona like a oh, few years God. ago. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh. I mean, just timing. Like, let's have some presence of mind. What you know, game for... was that, dude? Was that – that wasn't – I feel like that wasn't Ken Wisenhunt. That might have been Malarkey. I feel like it was Malarkey. Dude, no, I think it was – Because we were better. Ken Wisenhunt was so bad. We never had any meaningful games. It was like a pretty big, big game. I don't game know. Did Adori – now that I think about it, did Adori play for Wisenhunt? We got a fact check. No, it was, it was my – I don't think so. Because it was like a game where we either needed to win or like I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was like now we're gonna pass to a Dory, like now. Yeah, because everyone had talked about like, oh yeah, we should get a Dory in on some offense. And it was the it, it was like to win the game. Like that yeah. was the only Yeah, it was offense. on fourth down. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that end around to Malik Willis. You know, like I can't even blame Malik Willis. If you're going to put him in the game, put him in a position to succeed, not like taking a handoff like he never does in well, an NFL see, game. On the play, too, the defensive end was back there. Like, like he was getting tackled regardless. Like, even if he got the ball, it wasn't going anywhere. That was the other thing. It wasn't, it, it wasn't going to work if it worked. But to some, like, in the positive light, we did score our first points in the fourth quarter. We scored twice, actually. Only scored six points. Now, that will come back to haunt us. There were several drives that we did not finish off the other day that we really should have punched in for touchdowns. At least one of those drives in the first half. Instead of 13-0, 17-0 is a lot different than 13-0, um, as, as, you know, as we all know. Um, so little stuff like that definitely needs to work. But, man, beating the Colts, sweeping the Colts, like who cares? Sweeping the Colts, um, just absolutely just – we did from the beginning to end, just squeezed them out um, in this game. And that's just so awesome to watch. It really is just Titans football. And we're kind of almost in a weird way. We're truly back in just the Jeff Fisher eras of football. Like that's how we're trying to win games. These yeah, days. Like, defense and field goals, just defense, field goals, you know, run the ball, just pound your, like they used to have Eddie George who just could grind out carries. And now we have Derek Henry who just eats carries 30 carries in a game. He is back to like, we haven't seen him. And I think that's why he's still even gone a little under the radar. Cause we haven't seen one of those 70, 80 yard, like massive King Henry runs, but they're coming. I, I know that they're coming and to see, to actually, it's more impressive to me to watch him just grind out 30 carries for 130 yards. Like that is a workhorse. That is a, that is a dude who was running good in the NFL. 
Um, not do not many running backs can do 30 for 130. Like just consistently carry he's carried the ball like 60 times. Like, no, 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 more than that. Like 75, 80 times in the last three games. Just looks to be getting stronger, like he does, man. That's how King Henry works. That's why he's so different. Um, anyway, so exciting stuff ahead for the Titans. Um, big another big road divisional game. Those are the keys, man. The road divisional games where you got to make your money. Wrap up this AFC South. Like they're not winning the one seed. I mean, I'm not, who's to say they're not? Okay, I'll say they're not. They're not winning the one seed. And so after that, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but you know, just win the division. No, well, only the one seed gets the bye. So you win the, you win the division. You're hosting the first round of the playoffs, and, and shoot, man, we'll make some magic happen. I think so. What's We're the not, deal? So, like, not everyone plays the wild card round, though, right? Oh, is there another round? No, everyone, yeah, everyone plays that first. Yeah. Isn't there week. an egg there? Because there's an extra mm-hmm. spot, right? Well, there's the extra wild card. There's seven teams. Okay. So everyone plays except for the one seed yeah. that first weekend. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That did change. That did recently change. Yeah. Gotcha. That's why last year. I mean, I hate I hate to do it, but last year was the first year of the one seed is the only seed that gets a bye. And then the Titans still came out. Like we were the one seed in the first year where that's truly like a huge advantage, even more so than normal. Just botched it. Yeah. <laughs> Just botched it. <laughs> but hey, we're back again. We're Kings. Of, dude, three straight AFC South champs would be just nice, bro. Like at the, we do got to remember we are the Titans. Like, we got to take take this for, you know, it's nice to establish ourselves long term, but like winning three straight, we need to be appreciative of that um, for sure. That doesn't mean yeah. we can't criticize. I, it, it'd be hard for me to criticize Vrabel. If anything deserves criti- criticism, I think it'd be J-Rob at times for some of the personnel stuff that we've gone through. Um, but, I mean, it's hard to even criticize him to just keep us so competitive and bring in guys – Dude, think about like bringing in two guys like um, Anthony uh, Andrews or uh, uh, dude who what's his name Andrew. Yeah, the pick Ed- six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a guy like him and Terrence Mitchell came. I think in it is Anthony week. Andrews. Yeah, came in that week and like made big plays for us on a Sunday. Like that's too. Gr- I mean, I, don't I know, know that's what's you kind of get that with J Rob. Like, yeah, people love to kind of give him crap for the maybe misses or not not all the top in success, but the guy is the best in the league at getting the lower level talent to come in and find, find ways to get guys to contribute basically, which, yeah, I mean, that's not ideal, but I mean, that's why you were the one seed last year. That's why you're winning games this year. Um, I, I get, you can kind of put that on the reverse and be like, okay, well we could win games a lot easier if we had top end talent, like uh, he's supposed to be getting, but I don't know. You got to be able to play both sides of the coin. And I think that's a testament to J-Rob somewhat. And obviously, like you were saying, Seth, it's a huge testament to Vrabel to basically take whatever you give him and create a winning product out of it. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's, that is a, I mean, crazy big testament to Vrabel to be so stabilizing with like everything that's, yeah, I'll take whatever you give me and I'm going to throw a roster out there and we're going to have a good chance to win. And we've done that pretty much. Yeah, we got throttled in, in Buffalo on a Monday night. Who cares? 
Like, it doesn't matter. We like, could have easily beat the Giants, who turned out to be a pretty dang good team. Like, you know, I, I think um, I think it shows again that we're on a pretty pretty high standard. Um, and, and I mean, I don't really see us going anywhere necessarily. Um, we definitely could take a step back if we don't have uh, a shout out to Tannehill for playing like what's he played 49 consecutive starts. So like, yeah, he might not like he may be out next next week. Even honestly, that's definitely a possibility. I feel like at this point, but I mean, literally broke Steve McNair's record. And that was his thing is like Steve McNair played through everything like just Mr. Iron Man, Mr. Grit. And so for Tannehill to come in and and provide such great stability, like every single week, you know that Tannehill is our starting quarterback. Like that's that's pretty legit. That's a big testament to him. Um, and I think so, though some people might want more out of him and like, you know, yeah, the playoff wins haven't really followed. But honestly, I mean – He's been a huge net positive for the Titans franchise, like an area once riddled with so many holes and especially like could not find a quarterback in quarterback purgatory for so long. Um, Just been so stable Um, and yet not elite, but really, really good and consistent for a long time. Um, And it's been, it's been nice and it's allowed the Titans to have this sustained success. And he doesn't really do too much to put, take you out of games. And that's why they have a chance to win a lot of games is because, you know, there, there are three types of quarterbacks probably in the NFL. There are the ones that lose you games. There are the ones that throw bad interceptions that fumble the ball, bad times, make bad passes. There are ones that can put you in good position. That's like where Tannehill is, I think. And then there are the ones that truly elevate you and can win you a bunch of games on their own accord. And that's like four or five guys in the league tops. Um, and so he, he's not a quarterback quarterback that hurts you, but uh, um, he is, you know, also probably not a guy that truly elevates you and everybody like your whole team. Um, but shout out Tannehill. That was my little shout out Tannehill catches a lot of hate. I feel like a little bit, especially this last off season, everything, but shout out the boy. Oh, I not my not my quarterback forever. This is probably my. I guess it's kind of like an old dog. I'm like, yep, love that guy. You know, I'm about to like next week. I'm be ready. Had to a lot of good on. hunts with this one. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, and we did. That's true. We did. But you know, I also look back fondly at like Jake Locker. So it's not too hard <laughs> to get in my good graces. Actually, I can't. I can't really truly think of like one. Can you name me one Jake Locker win off the no. top of your dome right now? Nope. I like my my memory goes straight to like a Jake Locker uh, scramble where he probably got twenty yards and we all went absolutely nuts because we were winning two games a year. So probably that was, that was the highlight. Did he beat? Remember we beat the Chiefs on the road one year to open the season. And it I'll say like, that was twenty fourteen. That was a that was a Kenny a Kenny Wizzy a Ken Wizzy maybe his first game. No, I think. I don't know if it was his first game, but no, you're right. Because we won, we won both of the first game in both of his seasons. We won, and then we lost like the rest of them, all of them. Yeah, because Mariota, but Mariota was the set. He was in. He won his first game at the Buccaneers. Yep, I know that against Jameis. Again, yeah. But was Jake Locker? Did we go right from Jake Locker retiring to that? I don't think so. Honestly, 
But who would we have had? I don't even we know. Had, we had Mettenberger after Jake Locker got hurt in 2014, but then Mariota came in 2015. So Jake Locker would have started the season. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, he went one and four his last season as a starter. Nice. There you go. That's one at the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Congrats, Jake Locker. Congrats. Locker, man. Dude, that guy – I mean, talk about, first of all, here. supposed to be like the number one pick, then goes back for his senior year at Washington. He got broke that senior year. Yeah, and like should have should have really fallen off, and the Titans still drafted him in the first round. We had some big bad, mistake. bad picks. Vince Young, I'm still convinced could have been awesome if we had just let him ball. Yeah, we had dude, what a terrible mesh of Jeff Fisher and Vince Young. Just a bad, 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 bad deal. That's Neither the thing. Like, if Vince Young is if, is if Vince Young is drafted in today's NFL, does he have a better career? Definitely better. I mean, I don't know, though. Vince Young still kind of was a detriment to himself, I feel like. Well, he had bit. attitude problems, yeah. Well, and just, like, financial, life, like, lifestyle yeah. issues. Like, I just can't say – you think, think, look at how different, like, Vince Young lived his life versus, like, Tom Brady. And it, it really makes you, like, understand why Tom Brady had so much success and, like, Vince Young flamed out after a few years. The stories, the stories you hear about Vince Young are unlike any other thing, like ever. Just him and Lindale going just, to TGI Fridays, TG, and like, the fact that it's like TGI Fridays and Dave and Buster's, and like, and yeah. like uh, TGI Fridays is the funniest to me because what? Well, TGI? I love it because they go and they they like order the menu, and then they get they get like Patron at TGI Fridays. Like that's what I think is funny. Like. They're going to these low-level establishments and then ordering top-shelf liquor. Like, <laughs> why wouldn't you just go to, like, some – I don't know. Like, I guess it's cheaper at a low-level place like that. But. I think it was, like, a different time, though. I mean, kind of around the city. and That is true. Nashville was not popping like it is now. Like That's true. That, that is definitely true to, th- to think about. Like, yeah, Dave & Buster's honestly probably was your best I mean, Dave & Buster's was one of the best time. places you could go to in, like, 06 <laughs> in Nashville, so. Dude, I went to Dave & Buster's out in Utah. That was wild. Just randomly, we were kind of like, you know, when you start getting close to a flight, you're like, uh, you know, you got to kind of whittle down options. And it was like, well, we're already at this place. There's a Dave & Buster's. It's fourth quarter of most of these NFL games. All right going in just a while just every time i go to dame busters it's a different wild experience food very mediocre fun fun is high though i will say like yeah the fun the food was mid but the fun was i didn't play any games and i i was watching a ton of their tv setup was ideal like i was i was hooked but just like not good not great i don't i knew that going in so i wasn't like disappointed i don't think i've like spent quality time in a Dave and Buster's but one time and I don't even remember when it was but I didn't eat I've never eaten at a Dave and Buster's I know that was my first time to truly eat I think I knew what I was getting into but that was my first time eating I got chicken tenders buffalo chicken tenders so I mean like they can't be that bad yeah hard to mess those up yeah I went very safe like all right we're going. And that's that's the right move if you're gonna gonna be eating at Buster's. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Buster's! We're going to Buster's. 
dude. Hey, All Will, right, I we think... threw out we threw out a we threw out a pay dirt gambling uh, casino like resort stay here soon. We need to pay oh, yeah. some just for the yeah, just for the listeners. Yeah, so yeah, we're all gonna write this off as a business expense. But uh, yeah, pay dirt, pay dirt, uh, pay dirt resort getaway weekend. Like an all expenses paid. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, okay. One yeah. of the one of the fans gets to come with us. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we pick a fourth. That actually would be funny, and we do pay. Yeah, we'll pay for room. All right, not all expenses paid. Like you got to pay your own, you know. But we'll pay so, for your. We'll, we'll pick room. you up. We'll pick you up and drive you out there, and then <laughs> we'll pick you up and <laughs> you, you can crash sit. with us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Wait, I you like can that. share a bed. You can share a bed with one of us, and uh, there will be in a four-person room. I like Split that three ways. I think we should just make it. Whoever like texts me about this, like I'll okay. Yeah, you win. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you made it to the end of this episode. You want to go with us? All right, you're in. Sweet, I like it. <laughs> cool all right on that note i think i'm gonna close it out so hopefully hopefully we get some messages about this That's right uh, yeah message will yeah this big time or if messages. you don't have my number sorry you're not eligible um, i mean well but, if, if we accept dms we'll yeah accept dm on yeah that's true yeah you can dm dm the account um but anyway th- guys thanks again for listening it's been paydirt sports part of the six-pack coverage network be sure to check them out sixpackcoverage.com on social media at six pack coverage be sure to check us out the website is paydirtsports.blog on twitter at paydirt underscore sports and on instagram at paydirt sports guys thanks again for listening we'll see y'all next week paydirt out <laughs>